Welcome to the Content Queens podcast, a weekly conversation about the complexities and nuances of the creator-driven social media economy. We are your hosts. I'm Kia Marie, but these social media streets know me as the Notorious KIA. Put some respect on it. And I am the Vic Siles, your internet best friend. Between the two of us, we have over 10 years of social media experience and hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands of likes, views, and followers. Shit, Kia is even verified. And that's not a brag. It's simply just the fucking truth. Period. Our platform exists to inform creators, new and old, about the bounty of wealth and growth opportunities in the content creator industry and simultaneously share the best practices for your careers to have longevity just like ours have. Content Queens is an amalgamation of your favorite talk show segments featuring high-profile guest interviews and discussions on current events, all while exploring the most pertinent issues in today's social media climate. And the forecast, the world of social media is scorching hot and isn't letting up anytime soon. As new classes of creators continue to ascend into the ranks of the creator economy, there still maintains a lack of decorum and transparency on both the brand, agency, and even the influencer side. But we're here to fix that. We believe as an industry, it's not enough to teach virality if you aren't also teaching scalability and sustainability too. Insert your content queens. But it's not just our wisdom that we're sharing. This season, we're inviting a handful of seasoned guests and some of your favorite creators to share their experiences and best practices on how to thrive as an online creator. Here are watches anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts, but hold up sit back down. We're not done with you. Hit that subscribe button now so you won't miss a minute or even a second of what we have in store for you. For now, this is Content Queens, where content is queen. Yo, Vic is in rare form right now. I need y'all to, if you're not watching the YouTube to get the looks, like what are you doing with your life? Because she got makeup on. The girl got lashes. She is giving. I got lashes. I got crystals. Yeah. This is a whole, I'm a whole different person today. You look great. Thank so you. make sure y'all watching us on YouTube so y'all can get the full effect. Yes. So how you been since last week? Ooh, episode two dropped this week. Yes. It's good. It's good. It was good. good. Yo, Nana dropped some gems. If you she guys did. haven't had a chance to listen to episode two, especially, I feel like especially if you're a smaller creator. Yeah. She gave some really good tips on growing a following, building a community, but also making money, like yeah. good money. Out the gate. Because that's something that I also was interested in. Like, how soon is too soon to monetize your content? Because when I got started, it was off the sheer love and passion of it. And Same. so that's what fueled me. Once you start getting paid from it, it kind of jades you a little bit, you know? So I don't know. How do you feel about that? You know, it's twofold. There's like this part of me that maybe is coming from a bitter place a little bit. Like, nah, you need to crawl before you can walk. <laughs> like, you're not just going to start getting paid with a thousand followers. Facts. Because maybe I'm a little mad. I couldn't get paid then. But at the same time, and I think that the pandemic had a lot to do with this. The nature of creating content has changed and shifted. And so if you're able to be at home and create UGC content for a company, why not? They would pay a photographer whether they have a, a huge following or not yeah. for the same content. So UGC, I do get it. yes. Yeah. Not necessarily pimping your social following. Nah. I think you have to really build and cultivate that audience with before you start selling them stuff. You yeah. have to build that trust, that yep. relatability. And that comes with just cultivating community. Like that was a big part of our discussion last week was just community building, providing value and selling things out the gate is not like you just here for a check. It's and, a turn off. Yeah. It's Even for me, like when I'm following yeah. somebody, if I just got here and you already selling me some shit, <laughs> and you only selling me some shit, I got to go. Facts. 
Facts, for sure. All right, let's hop into our royalty of the week. Let's kick it off, Vic. Okay, so Instagram came out with this feature where creators, and I, you know what, I need to look because I'm not sure if it's just creators or anyone, is able to hide specific words from the comments. And I found this out recently because I did a campaign with Schmidt's Naturals. It's mm-hmm. a deodorant campaign. It's a year-long partnership, which is super dope. One of the campaigns that I submitted, they whitelisted, so it's going everywhere, right? I didn't shave my armpits. I normally shave my armpits. So I say that to say it's a little bit of stubble. It's not like there's a whole bush under there, even if it was. Did you purposely do this? No, I just didn't shave my armpits, and I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I was like, oh, it's fine. It's just a little bit of hair. Women have hair. The brand didn't care. They loved it enough to whitelist it. But the people that they are showing the comments to every single day is 20 notifications. Gross. You need to shave your armpits. I can smell this picture from where I am. Yes. Like, I was getting really offended. So I had to Google, is there a way for me to stop this? Because it's whitelisted. The brand doesn't necessarily want to stop the comments. So I found out that Instagram put, like, a safety net into place where you can type in specific words to, I guess, shield yourself from hate comments, from discrimination, from bullying. And I thought that was really dope. So you just won't get the notification. It's but, still but happening, it still but there. you just won't know about it. You won't wow. even be able to see it. And I love it because there's so much bullying, especially when you're a creator. When you have a lot of followers, I think that people feel like they can hide in the comments. Yeah. Like, they're like, I'm going to say what the fuck ever I want to say. It doesn't matter. You're not a real human. But that stuff can get to you. Definitely. I'm going to quote Saucy Santana. And what he said, the comments, honey, they are not on your side. (laughs) They are not. Especially, like, you can control your house, your community. You know? Yep. But when it's whitelisted onto a brand, what? It's the wild, wild west. Like, I don't even read the comments. It reminds me <laughs> of, like, YouTube back in the day. It like, does. absolutely not. It could get vicious. Yeah, nah. And I wonder, like, especially for younger people, mm-hmm. if this will help them a little bit more, especially with the bullying and the self-hate, just blocking out some of those words. So, like, you know, what words would you block out? So, for this, I blocked out hair. I blocked out yuck, gross, and shave. Okay. And so just generally speaking, what do you think are some words that, you know, younger people on the app to protect their mental health should block? You know, I think it depends on the creator, right? Like if you're an LGBTQ creator, maybe you want to block out any homophobic comments. A lot of my comments, because I would go to the people's pages, a lot of them were white people from the South. And I'm like, oh, you just don't like black people. Yeah. So if you're a black creator, I would just block (laughs) out all of the pale, all the pale people, any words that they could use that might offend you. Yeah, I think it varies on the type of hate that you're getting. Yeah. Kingdom, what do you guys think about this new feature? Is it something that you would use? Like what words would you block out? How can you see this? What I'm noticing is that Meta Instagram is trying to make the app a lot safer. They seem like they're very invested in making the app safer, better for your mental health. So I definitely give them kudos for that. But there's still so much work to do. One thing that I implemented maybe a year ago was I limited my comments to people that only follow me. Oh, really? Yeah, to stop like the spam mainly. And then to stop the, you know, the like your thing, anything can go viral. Yeah. And so to 
nah, there's an entrance fee to get over here. There's an entrance fee to come to this community Mm -hmm. and have a good time. Like, you got to take your shoes off at the door. We're going to be respectful. And so I think there's a level of, like, professionalism. Like, when I see, like, Drake, he doesn't have his comments on. Like, I guess it's like the mutuals can only comment. And it's just like, all right, I respect that. It's just like, you know, you're not... Social media is your house. You have to make it a place that you enjoy. Yeah. Protect your peace protect your peace or whatever that means. But I did get a, some, not feedback from brands, but a few brands have asked me like, why did I do it? Did I notice a stab at engagement or anything like that? And I'm just like, why would I want somebody commenting? They don't even follow me. They're not even invested in this community. Why should you have a say so? Like, no, exactly. this is not an open forum for anybody to come through and just, you know, create chaos. No, you're right. I wonder if it actually helps you out in the long run, if mm-hmm. it forces people to follow. Cause like, if I really have something to say, I'm a follow. Yeah. I'm going to say what I need to say. <laughs> or say if you're a follower and you see it says, you know, it's limited, but you get to follow. Like, how do you feel? Like, when you get a privilege for a follow? I think when we start to think about community, like, we really have to think about ways that we feel like we've built a community. Or, like, yeah. what is that key metric? How can you know if you've built a good community? Yeah. Like, whether you're selling a product, whether it's, you know, a newsletter that people are subscribing yeah. to. We, these are numbers that we can then take to brands and be like, look, I have ROI. I can, you know, there's a return on my investment. My followers are, my community is really engaged. Like, yeah. anything I say, like, you know, they trust me. And so I really think we got to start thinking about ways in which we can just make, you know, social media safer for us, but also how we're going to make, the community more. I think it makes it safer for them too, right? Because if they're saying something that's very personal, like I talk about a lot of women-related issues Mm -hmm. on my page. And so if I limit it to only people that are following me, women might feel a little safer Mm, to say what they need to say more freely. And I never thought about that, so that's dope. Definitely. Is that something that you think you might implement? I'm about to do it as soon as we finish (laughs) recording. (laughs) Yo, it's clutch, yo. It's just like easy. Like, you don't have to, like, you know, certain times that you might get a comment, you have that comment in your heart, like, sinks. Yep. You ain't got to worry about yeah, that. no facts. You don't. And then, Or it's just like, let me just, this is you. I can go to your page. Okay. Blog, delete, yep. on to the next. Yep. Facts. Okay. So, who we are facing a looming recession. Girl. Yeah. I'm scared. You scared? A little bit. Like, why are you scared? Well, let me not say scared. <laughs> I think I'm just a little nervous. Okay. About being uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, because we experienced a little bit of it back in COVID. I don't think it's going to be as bad as COVID was when everything stopped. Like, there were a couple campaigns that the brand just, like, didn't postpone. They just straight up pulled out. Like, luckily, I didn't create any content at this point or anything like that. Like, I wasn't owed any money, but... It can get to that point. Yeah, it can. It can get to that point really quickly. All right, so for recently released a YouTube video discussing what a future recession means for influencers. And it was hosted by James Nord, who is the founder and CEO of Four. He previously used to do like drinks with James. Yep, I, I think remember. it's now called Negronis. With, but <laughs> I really enjoy, before we started Content Queens, this was one of the inspirations. It was just like, I wanted a platform where we can speak from our voices, like actually an influencer's yep. perspective. But his podcast was always really helpful. And it was like maybe seven minutes, easily digestible. And he's in the business. He runs 4-4 is an influencer agency that pairs 
brands with creators. I worked with them a few times. I know you've worked with them. A lot, yeah. And so... He's just basically talking about the recession and, you know, what that means for us. You know, of course, it's a little daunting, a little just un- unsure yeah. about what's going on. But one thing that really stuck out to me was him saying that he doesn't think it's going to be like COVID. And mainly the focus is really going to be on like influencers who can really give that return on investment. And so when I think about that, like micro influencers, the reason why they're hired is because they have a huge ROI. So what does that mean for micro influencers? So providing value to your community, really focused on building community, like having those hard numbers to show brands that you actually built this following and they actually support you like they're ride or die. So when you say hard numbers, you mean like link clicks or like, okay, yep. So keeping track of those metrics, like how, even if it's not a branded campaign and you post a link in your stories, maybe it's to a YouTube video and maybe you're not getting any commission, but like showing that you do have the ability to get people to act. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's really important. Because the thing is, is that when people don't have money, like when the country doesn't have money, companies don't have money, they no longer want you to just do some cute shit. Like, no, I need you to do some cute shit and bring people to buy the product. Of course, of course. And so what was interesting also was just like, there might be less focus on those creative opportunities. You know, there's a few, very few still, even now, opportunities where we get to be creative, where we don't necessarily have to push brand messaging super hard. And so that is a toss-up for the brand. They don't know how it's going to perform. So he predicts that there will be less of those opportunities and more of just driving sales because advertising is something that in the, when it's a recession or the, economy is down is something that goes up like just you know people have to spin yeah and they rarely ever caught cut costs when it comes to advertising but they're just going to be smarter he mentioned reading the room similar to covid just being sensitive not posting your chanel bags when people are literally losing their jobs so just also just not being tone deaf during this time but what does that mean for luxury creators like if all if the bulk of your content is focused on these very expensive items, how do you pivot? How do you pivot that? I don't think I would pivot because my audience is probably into the same things I'm into. And so that's not going to change. You might lose some followers that aren't able to purchase these things and you might get some blowback on some certain things. But I don't think, I think then, you know, you're you're still your community, you know? So if you out the gate, like if you normally don't post luxury stuff and now you want to post, I don't think now's the time right. to post it. And I think there's a way to post luxury content without being super tone deaf, yeah. not flashy and not, you know, doing, you know how people do like, I spent the thousand, hundred thousand dollars in a day. Yeah. I don't think those types of it, like don't flaunt your wealth in yeah. that way, but unboxings and things of that nature, what's in my bags, like, you know, subtle ways okay. to flex the wealth without it being so blatant and in people's face. I think Facts. that would be a great way to still do luxury. What else? Oh, there was another really interesting thing that he mentioned. He was like, if the brand is a public company, look up the stock prices because that can tell, you know, how the brand is doing, especially if you're in a long-term partnership. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, but I spoke about being in a situation where the brands went bankrupt and I never got paid. I, it never <laughs> happened to me, but it happened to a homegirl. Yeah, same thing happened to her. They went bankrupt in the middle of her campaign and she yep. never got that money. So that's something I'm definitely going to start implementing. I'm going to... I do Google companies, but I don't specifically look for their stock prices. Yeah, I never would have even thought to do that. Yeah. 
So any publicly traded company, look up their stock prices and see how that's going. What do you do? Like, is there legal? Did you take legal action? Could you? They don't have any money. (laughs) Well, they owe credit. Like you, they give you, they gave me like this case number. Yeah. And then you can file something. And then, you know, bankruptcy doesn't mean that everything gets erased. So to say, like you still owe something. But I never went through with it. Like, I had, went management and stuff like that. I was like, you know what? Charge us to the game. Charge right, to the game. Something bigger and better is going to come. Like, it was a, even though it was a good opportunity, it was fun. It was just like, yo, I mean, you can't really learn from that situation. <laughs> like, right. it happens. Right. Unless you're, like, up front with the money. Give me my money up front. Yeah. But nobody's going to do that. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like, speaking of, like, we here at Content Queens, you know, we have the ability to abolish, banish anything and make royal decrees. So the net 30s. It got to go. It got to go. The net 60s. The it net 90s. Go. You playing in my face. Net 14. <laughs> net, let's, two weeks. Because yes. whoever you are issuing the check, you definitely are getting paid at least on the 1st and the 15th. Yeah. Yeah. We got to... That net yeah. is a setup. But what you listening to? What's the tea? Right. This is going on. It's summer. It I'm is ready summer. to have a good time. I'm it outside. is not Ooh. giving summer. First of all, before we get into that, how did you spend your Juneteenth weekend? Oh, yo, you know what? I spent my Juneteenth at Weeksville. They had like a black food festival. If you guys don't know about Weeksville, mm-hmm. it's one of the first black free black settlements that happened in America. Right here in Crown Heights. Yes, like, right, right here across in the Crown street from Heights. The project. So it felt really good <laughs> to be in a space where our ancestors fled to to start their own community and just to see so many black families, so many black businesses. It was dope. I loved it. I was out at the layout. Yes. Yo. Wow. Yeah. So many beautiful black people. It, we was like, it was amazing. It was amazing. Like, everybody was having a good time. It was good energy. Like I didn't feel like, especially because I am a highly sensitive person. I can feel when there's tension. Like all I felt was love. All I felt was peace. Like I could smoke my weed in peace. And I feel like looking over my shoulder. Like it was a lot of us, but like I felt safe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you was knew dope. the intention. Everybody's mm-hmm. coming here to celebrate blackness and community. And you know, you could feel that. It was dope. It was, it was dope. Listen, was if dope. you guys are anywhere like in the Northeast, next year, please be in Brooklyn. Yeah. One thing that I'm noticing, because I asked some people, like, how did you spend your June? They was like, oh, it's this and this. And I was just like, why wouldn't you go to a pop? Like, that's something I would plan. I would be like, I'm either in LA, I'm in New York, I'm in Chicago, I'm in, like, Miami. I'm where there's a lot of black black people. (laughs) And But one thing that did stick out to me, it was just too much going on. It was so many events that you didn't know where to go. And so it was just like, I wish... In the future, we would come together and maybe have like official an official weekend where we have official events. We got sponsors yep. behind us. So it's not we're pulling people in so many different directions yeah. that we can go and support one another, really pull those. Like, what is Juneteenth about? Like, how are we going to move forward? Like, it's about community ownership and, you know, growth and like yeah. pouring money back into the community. But if it's sprinkled in all these different events, you That's- know... Who's really, who's it helping? Yeah. So I would love to see like an official weekend here in New York where we just have all these memories. It's a festivals, yep. it's food festivals, it's parties, it's all these things. And you can just like bingo card, like yep. check it off your list, a scavenger hunt. Facts, <laughs> I love that. Somebody make that happen. You make that happen. <laughs> you the event organizer. I be, like I said, I be having ideas, happen. but execution, nah, I'm good. Content <laughs> Queens 2023. Speaking of, you know, Drake dropped his album on Friday. He did. And how do you I, feel about it? You know, eh, it's all right. I 
love it. I know. You know, I love me some Drake, yo. I, the dance, the energy, it's just like, we want to have a good time. We're tired of the somber pandemic tunes, the vibes that's just having us down and being alcoholics and addicts. Like, no, we want some stuff we can dance to. Like Cardi said, like, we want to be in a club. We want things that we can dance to. So Drake creates a house album. I'm here for that. I've been playing it on rotation. It's like a playlist. Like It is. It's like a play. You just have a good time. So I'm definitely, if this is the era of ushering in feel-good music, I'm here for that because okay. I want to have a good time. I don't want to think about my sorrows and all that kind of stuff. I feel that. <laughs> I do feel that. I think that, like, there's a part of me that, because Drake does this, right? Like, he'll come out with, like, an Afrobeats album or he'll come out with this new house album. And I'm like, what about the people in Baltimore that's been making house music for 20 years. Did you shout them out? Did you give them credit? Did you work with them? Did you collaborate with them on this album? Because they created that genre of music. That yeah. is really theirs. Mm -hmm. Even like in New Jersey, I think that they also have yes, like house, a house music. music. And like, so there's some hoes in this That's house. what I'm saying. There's some hoes in this So I just Tom would like to hear or see artists. I'm done with you. <laughs> Yo. I would like to see artists like collaborate with the OGs yeah. of those genres. The Baltimore house music, that was an era. And when see? I was in high school, what? You catch that mean up. Listen. <laughs> Speaking of house music, Beyonce also oh, the queen with a new song. <laughs> With a new album. She's coming out with a new album. Yes, that's why Drake did a surprise Facts. album, surprise release, because he knew the queen was coming. So the Beyonce of rap was just like, all right. It's now, now or never. It's now or never. Facts. So what are we thinking? The song, again, I... I, I want to talk about these mystery boxes. Because you have mystery boxes. Yes. And people buy them yes. without knowing what's in it. Facts. And so Beyonce is coming out with this, essentially a mystery box. Ooh. We don't know what's going to be in it. We do know that there's a CD in it. And I'm kind of mad at the CD. Why are you mad at the CD? Who the fuck? Well, you got a CD player? But you're the one that's always talking about print this, print that. What but about the, CD What about CD? Nobody has that. But it's for nostalgic purposes. Computers don't even have that. But it's for nostalgic purposes, I'm sure. Like, you know, she, like, what I'm getting from this era, the, the what is it, the Renaissance yes. era? It's giving disco, it's giving dance, it's giving have a good time. One thing Beyonce <laughs> does really, really, really well is... Her motivational music, she creates she music does. that's affirming, that makes you feel good. Yes. And so I think she's tapping into that feeling, that nostalgia, like that, you know, I see the disco references, I well, see the dance. why could it be a record? People collect okay. records now. Okay. People got record collections. I don't think I've ever met a nigga in 2010 that got a CD collection. Well, I definitely have a whole sleeve with all my CDs in it. But what you play them on? I don't play them. <laughs> I like looking at the album. I like be like, yo, okay. when this came out, like how you feel the about... Art, but also the, the art booklets. Yes, yes. That I will be here for. Like, you know... You're right. So are you buying it? No. I'm going to save that for the hive. Okay. But I am buying into this community. The reason yeah. why I'm able to sell a mystery box and you don't know what is in it is because of that community. You trust me. You know it's yes. going to be fly. Like, you already know. Like, look at the material, all yes. right? And so, once again, when we think about community and how we can tap into our community or, like, figure out ways to understand our community, if you can sell a mystery box, if you can do these things... Yeah. And it still sells. It doesn't fly. If you can have an event and people show up. Facts. <laughs> More than five you know? people. Because that's hard. I just think... Because I wonder if, like, she or her team goes to Twitter. Because Black Twitter, you know, Black Twitter be Of course. There. there is some research. 
But they not having it with the CDs. Oh, Black Twitter not happy about what the CDs. What they saying? They like, no, sis. We don't, ain't nobody playing CDs no more. Mm. I also don't know the price of the box. But I also don't think that it matters because it's Beyonce. I think that she has created such a fan base and such a following. And like you said, her work is such quality that whatever she releases, the Beehive will be happy with. It could be some gum and a rapper. And they would be like, this came from Beyonce. It's gold. And I think as a creator, that's what we should all strive for. Yeah. To at least have such a cult following that no matter what we give them, as long as it's quality, they'll buy it. Yeah. There's a book called Superfans. And have you read it? No. In the it's on book, the list. I read it a long time ago. But in the book, he says, you don't need to have 100,000 followers, viewers, whatever. What you need to have is 100 people that will spend $1,000 on you a year, yep. which isn't that much in the grand scheme of things. It's like $100 a month. And we all spend $100 on some shit we don't need a month. And when I read that, it really made me understand the power and the value of having a cult following, even if it is small. Yeah. Even with Nipsey Hussle, he was able to sell his CD for $100. Yeah. And people bought it. And it's also believing in yourself. Yeah. Like, not, you know, we're, we live in an era where it's fast fashion. Everything is $9.99. It's like, no, stand by your $500 dress. Yeah. You know, because that's how much a garment should cost. Exactly. That's going to last. Yep. Yo, first things first, before we even get back into this conversation, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are on the road to 1,000 subscribers and more, but definitely give us a follow because we're, like we said, we bring in the production all the way up this season. So show us some love. Vic, do you have any travel plans for the summer? I do. Where are you going? I am headed upstate a couple of times. And I kind of want to go to Queens. I found this like really dope Airbnb that's like on the water in Queens. It doesn't even look like it looks like it's in Holland or something. Wow. Yeah. So out of the country, no, but within the state, yes. Same. I want to like do more like New York in the summer is unbeatable. So I do not want to leave. I don't want to go too far. Yep. Like, I'm going to L.A. this week, but, like, I maybe want to go upstate, go to the Hamptons. I really want to go to Martha's Vineyard this year Dang. and Wait, Nantucket. Wait, can we do that together? Yes, I've never been. Let's do it. Let's do it. I heard it was, like, the Black Hamptons. It is. And really? And so much culture. Like, okay. Yeah, I, we definitely got to go. Like, that is a bucket list travel, and we're so close. Yeah, I've never been. I've always wanted to go. Yeah, and so this Dope. is a perfect episode for your summer travels because Tanika is going to stop by and give you guys all the tips on how to travel and create content, exceptional content and with intention. I can't wait for that interview. I'm so excited to meet her. Yeah. Like, you don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I caught it. <laughs> Destination and travel content continues to soar in popularity, and so do the creators who have made it their niche. But what does it take to create captivating and awe-inspiring travel content? We hop aboard an international flight with pilot and explorer Tanika Renee in this week's episode. Our conversation is a deep dive into the complexities of creating travel and destination content, how to secure hotel partnerships, and what it means to be working with brands as a travel influencer. We are super excited to talk to Tanika today. Tanika, thank you so much for joining us on Content Queens because we do believe you are a content queen. Absolutely. Yo, I have never in my life met a Black woman pilot ever. So today is the first day. I'm thank honored. You. Yeah. So me and Tanika actually met in a previous life. We both played <laughs> for the LFL. If you're unfamiliar, it's the Lingerie Football League. And Wait that was a very interesting time. Yes. yes. I need yes. you to explain. Yes. 
explain this. What is a lingerie football team? Tanika, let us know. So I hated the title, first of all. It was, yeah, it was for marketing, but we were in basically boy shorts and a sports bra out there taking each other down. But y'all were really playing football. No, we was yes. playing, like, I feel like we were playing, we were footballing more than the way that the guys play football. Because we have nothing yes. on. And we, oh, wore, nah. we didn't really get taught, like, the proper tackling technique. So it's basically go out there and beat up the person in front of you. It was all entertainment for, yep. for the male gaze. Wait, I mean, now that we're older. Wait, when was this? Was like, like in our early 20s. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't even know this existed. Is this a New York thing? They have teams all over. It was on MTV too. Yep. Wow, that's dope. Yeah, it's dope. It's dope. So for us to meet up our paths to cross again in a different life, in a different industry, I think that's dope. Um, so yeah, let's just talk about your origin story. Like, how did you make it here? How did you start creating content? How did you more specifically start creating travel content? But yeah, tell us about the origin story. Well, I always was a traveler. You know, growing up, I grew up in foster care. So to avoid, like, my life at home, I would jump on my bike and go to neighboring towns and just people watch. That was my way of getting out of my life, was to watch other people and create these stories in my head. And then eventually, so I'm from New Britain, Connecticut, which is about two and a half hours from New York. Once I got enough money, I would jump on the bus, go to New York, go to Times Square, and just people watch. And that was my beginning journey of solo travel. And then as I got older, I took it international and started exploring and people watch and really getting to know the culture. So when did you start creating content intentionally? Like, when was that moment? Well, so I went through a really bad breakup. And it led me to go backpacking through Southeast Asia. Like, I was at a really low point. I was suicidal. I didn't care. I just was like, I don't care. Asia at that time seemed so foreign. I never, like, traveled that far, and I didn't really know anyone that traveled that far. So I was like, I'm just going to go. If I get lost, whatever happens out there, I didn't care. So I packed a backpack. My family thought I was crazy. You know, I left Thanksgiving yeah, I took a flight. My flight was at like midnight, Thanksgiving night. I told my family bye. It was to me, mentally, I felt like that was my goodbye. My life is over. I'm leaving. I went to Asia and I found myself. And I documented and I shared what I was going through. And it was like a rebirth. It was a lot of crying. I broke down. I was put in situations. I remember I was in the middle of a monsoon. It was monsoon season. And I'm in Thailand. And I was on a bus with locals. And I was traveling from one city to another. And the bus pulled over because the driver couldn't see on the road. And there was no shelter. We just stood outside as it was raining in a monsoon. And I was just crying. And the locals were there. They're like making sure I'm okay. They didn't know what was going on, but it was like a rebirth. I just let everything out and I started to build myself back up. I started to find myself. I also, like I went through so many experiences and I realized that my problems that I was going through is so small compared to what's going on in this world. And it was a humbling experience, but it was also empowering. And yeah, and I documented it and I realized this is what I love. And at that point, I said, I'm going to make money from travel. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I manifested it. So what about creating a space for Black women to talk about travel, to experience travel, to be comfortable with solo travel? Like what inspired you to start inspiring Black women? 
also, it's been a journey. And it, it like when you're going through something, you don't really see the different parts of the journey that are going to make the play, basically. So when growing up, I used to watch movies like Tomb Raider, you know, James Bond, all these adventure movies. And I wanted to be those characters, but I never seen a Black woman. So I would say, oh, I'm the Black James Bond, or I'm the Black Laura Croft, or I'm the female version of this. So as I was creating content, that's what I became. Like, I got to live out my childhood dream. So that's one part of it. Then another part of it is, so I'm traveling and I'm exploring and I realize the importance of the Black woman's lens when showing travel. Because one, when you're going, let's say I'm in the Philippines and they see me, you know, the Filipino they tend to be darker complected. So they relate to me more than they would a white woman. So when they see me, they're welcoming. And it's like, come in, let me cook for you. Let me show you what I'm not going to show your white counterpart. You know, I want you to see the culture. Like, when they see me, they're like, oh, I love Obama. Come yes, inside, come yes. in the house. You know what I mean? They do. It's like, they love to say, oh, I love Obama. Or they'll call me like, oh, it's Beyonce. You know, they love our culture. So they're showing me their culture in a way that they wouldn't show someone who was a white woman. And then also, another part that played in it. So I had to look at... Black history. And I started actually studying the history of travel. And in America, you know, travel started as road trips. And this was a time when, you know, our ancestors couldn't take road trips. Our ancestors didn't want to go to neighboring towns because death might await us if we go there. So it was very unsafe. So this is the first time that we are able to show travel from our perspective, from a Black lens. This is the first time that we can show adventure and we can show whatever we want because we're no longer afraid. Don't get me wrong. We still, you know, we still go to certain places and we got to know, are they racist? You know, how do they treat Black women? But we're actually able to write our own narrative. So I put all of those elements together and I realized that I played a very important role within the travel community because representation matters. As I'm out here, whether that's, you know, free diving or, you know, rock climbing or whatever I'm doing, I show other Black women that they can do it too because we haven't been able to see that. And I also want to make sure that I am showing other Black women how to do it. If you want to travel and make money from it, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to get the back together. You know, I feel like there is enough abundance for all of us. I want us all to win. I want us all to get to this bag. Yes. And you create amazing, dope content, dope visuals. Like you were one of the first amongst like maybe a handful of black women that were sharing their travel content Mm -hmm. and actually being a travel influencer. So I think you definitely pioneered a wave of black women wanting to travel one and then also wanting to document that experience online. Thank you. Thank you. You talked a little bit about safety. Let's talk more about that. 
I am a solo traveler as well. I prefer it to traveling with other people. And it's one of the questions I get asked often, like, how do you ensure that where you're going is safe? And I found that sometimes doing research online is a little difficult. My first solo trip, I went to Cuba by myself. And I was reading all these blogs, watching these vlogs from white women saying, oh, I feel unsafe. The men are so loud and they're just very aggressive and yada, yada, yada. And so I went there expecting mm -hmm. that to be my experience. Girl, I got down there and it was honestly like walking down the street on a sunny day in Brooklyn. I was just like, oh, they just act like regular dudes <laughs> mm -hmm. do. And I realized in that moment, yep. oh, the way that men of color speak to women of color is very cultural. And some people, some, some cultures may not understand that. So how do you research a place, a city, a country to know if it's safe for you as a black woman? First of all, I want to say that, well, congratulations for solo traveling. That's you. really, really big. But I want everyone to realize that America is the most dangerous place for black women. When you go every other place, they love us. They love us. You just got to know, okay, are they fetishizing us or do they love us? So, you know, you go to some places, a lot of European mm -hmm. countries where they're fetishizing, you know, Asia, they're just amazed because they don't see us. I would honestly say, you know, share your location. I share my location on my phone. I communicate. I let people know what I'm doing, where I'm doing. Be aware of what you're doing. I don't go out. When I go to other places, if I'm solo traveling, I do not drink. I do not drink alcohol out because I get drunk easily. <laughs> so I don't want to get intoxicated. You know, I dress appropriately. Yes, as women, we can wear whatever we want, but you are in another country. Be aware. And sometimes, I'm sorry to cut you off, but sometimes that doesn't even mean be aware of, like, the silhouette. It also means also, aware of, like, your jewelry. There are certain things that I just won't wear depending exactly. on where I am. And even... You know, I just tried to not to stick out that much. You know, you, you want to be like a local. For example, if you go to Brazil, you know, you don't dress flashy. And that's not because you are a black woman. It's because you are a person going to a place that there is poverty and you're flashing and they're going to want that. You know, black women travel. Don't be afraid. Do solo travel. Yes, take precautions. But please don't let society tell you that you can't go no place. I would be more afraid in America than yes. anywhere else. I think what it boils down to what you're saying is just do the research. Do exactly. your research. Don't just pop up in a place with the Roly, Balenciaga, exactly. Flashy, Pradas. You know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> just be mindful of your surroundings. You know, growing up in New York, in any urban area, you grow up with that natural instinct to be like, you know, watch your back, watch your front center. So you just need to make sure your eyes are even more open when you're traveling. And be friendly, but don't be too friendly. Don't disclose too much information. When I check in hotels, I don't say that I'm staying by myself. You know, I'll say, oh, yeah, my husband, he's coming. Or, you know, I'll say, oh, my friends are staying in the hotel next door. I'll say that they're going to be checking in tomorrow. You know, I don't disclose too much information. I don't tell anyone that I'm traveling by myself. Let's talk about disclosing information online and privacy online. You know, us being influencers, we get DMs all the time about people wanting to work with us. You don't know what's real, what's fake, who has an ulterior motive. So how do you go about vetting creatives that you work with, specifically the photographers? When it comes to photographers, so one big tip. So basically, I work with a lot of tour guides. So you know how when you go to the airport and when you come out in a country, they have the tour guides. So I'll pull someone and be like, listen, okay, I know that's your rate, but I'll give you this rate to show me boom, 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 and make sure you get the best pictures. 
the tour guides, they got the best angles. They know what to give you. And usually that country, they have a tourism board and they'll have a ID that basically lets you know that they're approved by that particular country. With photographers in different countries, it's hard. It's hard just working with photographers and videographers in general. You know, sometimes they overcharge you. They try to hustle you. They don't want to give you all your images. I will reach out to other influencers or people that they work with to see, like, what is your opinion? Do you recommend this person? I ask a lot of questions. I over-communicate. Like, if you're not answering my questions, I'm not going to work with you because I don't know you. You're a complete stranger. And I'm going to be by you. I might be in a swimsuit mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. So I want to make sure I feel comfortable. I usually fly out a photographer. If it's for a campaign and I want to make sure that the content is of quality, I'll fly my team in. But definitely tour guides. Yo, facts. Even like the people that host the excursions, mm -hmm. I've had them take my phone and be like, no, stand there. Let me do it like this. Because they know yep. when the lighting mm -hmm. is best. Mm -hmm. They know everything. You just tip them. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about the places that you go. How do you decide what country or city you're going to go to? And then once you're there or before you get there, how are you choosing what hotels, Airbnbs or resorts to stay at? So I'm going to sound crazy right now. When I say it's divine, it's divine. Like sometimes I'll have a dream and I'll see a place and then I'll go and I'll Google it and it's a real place. So like a lot of the places, they just come to me. I don't know. It sounds a little weird. No. But it, they just come to me. And then there's places that, you know, whether it's on Pinterest or Instagram, I see it. I'll save it. And then, you know, it'll magically just manifest. I might get hit up by their tourism board or opportunity comes. I don't like cold destinations. I do want to go to Iceland, but I don't like cold destinations. So I try to stay away from cold. I love me a nice beach. Yes, to give body yaddy yaddy, honey. <laughs> I don't like girl. I don't like I don't like cities, but I like cities with culture. So Same. and then I also I want to experience from a local. So I, when I say culture, I mean culture, aka from the black lens. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I might find that by my cab driver. I might find it from you know, going on Instagram and searching hashtags. I also search like black in whatever specific country. Ah, I never thought about that one. That's dope. I also, I Google, I do searches and then I'll find names of people, put that in Instagram, DM that person. I want the culture. Like I want the culture. I want to see the diaspora and places that you wouldn't expect it whether that's a Honduras or a Peru. I just went to Peru and I got to meet like the Blacks in Peru. And that was dope. So then my next question is, how do you balance doing tourist things versus off the beaten path things? Like you seem to have a pretty good mix of nobody's ever heard of this or been here before. I'm going to go here and show the world. And also these are things that people want to see typically when they travel. So I prefer off the beaten path. The touristy places are usually where the sponsorships come in. So the touristy places are either they reached out to me or I know that this specific place, they sponsor influencers. I prefer off the beaten path. I want to go someplace. Like I said, I want to experience the culture. I want something that has a little character. Yeah, touristy places... The food, to me, it tends not to be as good. Okay. It's the same old, you know, you'll have 
watered down drinks or overpriced drinks. It's usually some kind of nightlife, but I've seen it before. So I prefer off the beaten. Same. When I travel, I do something similar to what you said. I'll ask my Uber driver, a cab driver, if it was your birthday or your partner's birthday, normally it's a man who's driving my Ubers. But I'm like, if it was your wife's birthday, where would you take her for dinner? Like, where are Mm y'all going to celebrate? Because that's where I want to eat. I don't want to eat where you tell everybody else to go eat. Where do y'all shop? Like, where do you buy your groceries? I have a friend, every time she travels, the first thing she does is goes to a market in the place. She's like, you can learn so much about a place Mm -hmm. just by going to see where they buy their food. So I think that's really interesting as well. More from our conversation after the break. You know, the girls love to give looks in fashion, and I love the attention to details in your posts. Your outfits always complement the locations. So what tips do you have for packing? Like, how do you pack? How do you plan your outfits? Is it something you do ahead of time, or you just wing it once you get there? So I'm not a fashion girl. I am aesthetic-based fashion girl. What that means is, you know, I mentioned movies earlier. That's how my mind thinks. When I think of a location, it's like, what is that vibe? You know, what is it giving? What is the feeling that I want to give off? I'm also big on color and the psychology of the mind, how the mind processes. So when I create content, I see the photo or the video as the complete canvas. It's not about me. I'm just a prop within this piece of content. I'm showing the beauty of wherever I'm at because I'm a a travel influencer, so it's not about me. It's about where I'm traveling to. So when I'm taking that picture, I'm dressing to either pop out or blend in. So when I'm packing, I usually do a variety of pieces that I can wear in that location, but I already planned out the looks. I also, talking about the psychology of the mind, I also tend to wear a lot of bright colors, red, yellow, orange, depending on what the canvas looks like. I want to make sure that I'm going to grab your attention because when you're scrolling on social media, you know, there's so much content you want to make sure that your image pops Pops out. So color helps with that. I only pack a carry-on. Why? Because I have had luggage lost. It's easy. If I'm going to, you know, a small town and I have to take a small plane, you know, it's just easier when you just have your luggage. It's easier to move around instead of having more than one suitcase Mm -hmm. or a big suitcase. And you did mention you do a lot of hot weather. So a lot of beachy yeah. stuff. Like, exactly. So it's a little it's smaller. Stuff, small stuff that can fit in. And how long are you staying at these places typically? I get bored easily. So the most is five days. I'll do three to five days. Okay. But yeah, I don't overpack. You know, Are you trying things on before you go? I'm a very visual person. So I try it on and I'll figure out my pose. I look in the mirror. I know what the pose is going to look like. So when I go there, because if I'm going to a landmark and let's say I'm going to Cairo, the pyramids, you only got 10 seconds, if that, you know, to get your photo. You know, that person's just snapping. Plus, sometimes I got to take my tripod and I'm taking a photo of myself or I have a complete stranger I'm giving them my camera, I'm taking it. So I want to make sure that I'm getting a good photo within that short amount of time. So I want to have everything already planned out before I get there. So my content, I believe in quality over quantity. So I usually already know what the shot is. It's one money shot that is setting the tone of the trip. 
And that's my shot to sell that location. And I usually have that planned out. So as I'm exploring, I might find other unexpected spots and then I'll take that photo. But I already know if I'm going to Egypt, you gotta get a picture in front of the pyramids because that describes Egypt. Yeah. So then if I do it, I don't wanna just show it the way that everyone is doing it. So I, I might find a hotel and you see the pyramids in the background or do it on a boat with the pyramids in the background. And that's the shot. I'm putting all my intention. I take that shot. Then I go out, I explore. If I feel like getting stories, I get stories. If not, but I want to be very present and exploring. So I have that time that I'm dedicating to getting great content. And the other time I'm being present and actually enjoying myself. And it took me a while to realize that because I started to get burnout. Like I was doing too much and I couldn't enjoy traveling, it really felt like work. Yep, yep that's that pivotal moment. Yeah. <laughs> when it starts feeling like work, like, whoa there. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta, yeah, we gotta do, shift some things around, <laughs> this ain't it. Traveling for me is very overwhelming, like packing and then rushing to the airport, praying that your bag is under 50 pounds, mm -hmm. and then we gotta get content. And you know, we're nowhere near the professionals that you are, and I'm sure the kingdom would love to know, like, what are your tips, your general tips for just creating really dope content while traveling? Being intentional, you know, again, quality over quantity. You know, I'm making sure when I'm getting that shot, I already have that shot planned in my head. That shot is what I'm being intentional about. I know what the colors is going to look like. I've already researched the area. I've used hashtags, whether that's on Pinterest or on Instagram. So I know what it's looking like, different lenses, what other creators have created in that space. Really like just doing my research. So then when you go there, it's like you've already been there and you have it all planned out in your mind. You mentioned that you take your tripod sometimes, that you have to capture your own content. Aside from a tripod, what other sorts of things do you use to create content? Cameras, any technology that you're using, your phone, any video cameras? So I have two phones. I use my iPhone and I use a Google Pixel 6. Both for photos? Yes. Google Pixel 6 has the best, and I'm not, so I've worked with Google. I didn't own the Pixel before I worked with them. When I work with them, they let me play around with the Pixel and I fell in love. I'm not even gonna lie, like the Google Pixel 6 takes better pictures than iPhone. Um, you have, a, it's called Real Tone. So for melanated skin, it actually shows your real tone. It takes higher quality photos. Yeah, it's better than an iPhone. So I bring my Google Pixel 6, I bring my iPhone, I bring my drone. I bring my tripod and then I have an underwater case that I basically can put my iPhone in and it has a dome lens. So that's how you get the underwater overwater shots. Yeah, because you got a, a video where you're like swimming underwater, but it's showing like a little bit of the waves over water. And I was like, how the hell did they <laughs> shoot this? That was shot that on was a phone? No, that was okay. shot with a camera. That okay. was shot by Andre. He's an amazing photographer. Young, like amazing photographer. But he's the one who actually put me on to the case. Wow. So with that case, I can take that same quality photo using my iPhone. And that's what I bring. I have a clicker with my tripod to take my own photos. Any um, other like DSLRs that you bring with you? Wow. No. Okay. No. I'm starting to notice too for creators out there. So for the algorithm, I'm very against shooting for the algorithm, like creating content specifically for the algorithm. I'm against that. But a tip, using your DSLR, it basically, the algorithm doesn't like it. 
if you notice, sometimes when you take iPhone pictures, it gets a higher engagement than when you take more of a professional photo. No, I have noticed that, but I didn't know that it was, I don't know what I thought it was, but it's so, because the algorithm prefers iPhone photography. So basically, Instagram, it's so funny because, you know, Instagram claims, oh, you know, the algorithm does not work against you. They claim that, they say that, but it actually does, as we know, as we've experienced. So Instagram wants us to create quick content. It doesn't really want us to create content of substance. Mm. It wants to just keep people on it. And this is by quick content, TikTok-like content. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense, man. Let's talk about what you use to edit your photos. Do you use Photoshop, Lightroom, your phone? Like, what apps are on your phone? So I use Lightleap. I use Beatleap. I use Videoleap. And this is on your phone? Yes. So me, because I'm pushing travel, I do not believe in having overly edited photos or overly filtered photos because I want true colors. So I might increase the intensity of the water's blue. I want it to be a very vibrant blue. Or if the sky is clear, I want the sky to be very vibrant because... I am showing the destination. And if I throw a filter that makes it like a brown color or whatever, it takes away from the visual. Yeah. Now, you mentioned getting a stranger to take your photo. Any mm -hmm. tips? Like, that sounds so scary to, like, just approach a stranger and be like, can you take this photo for me? <laughs> like, how does that work? So when I have a stranger take the photo, when I hand them my camera... I actually show them the frame that I want to get. I say, see, look at this. Can you make sure you get this in and show them the frame? I also put my phone in live. So with live, you can turn that photo into a video and you can also select more than one photo. So with live, it's like a circle with dots around it. I'm trying to like visualize it as I say it. And when you go into edit mode, you click on that circle with dots and then you can basically select which photo you want to be within that video. So you have more than one option. Because sometimes, let's say they take the picture and your eye is closed, and you just search, and then you'll find a picture with your eyes open. Also, so for me, I'm giving more of a mood, so it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't like looking in the camera. It's, that's just my Girl, preference. Us either. Yes. <laughs> it's more of the mood. It's not about me, so I don't have to be looking in it. Like, I'm just giving you an aesthetic and a mood. I'm drinking in front of the pyramids. It's not about me. The pyramid is behind me. That's what you want to see. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what I'm doing, you know? And then that helps because then when the person's taking it, I don't have to be perfect. I think that's how you approach it, but that's not how it's received. It, mm -hmm. It's received as, like, art. Yeah. Like, it's thought. You might say it's not about you, but it's very much about you. Because somebody can take the same exact photo. We've seen it, probably. But, the, you know, as much detail and thought that you put into the content that you create, it shows through the final product. So as much as it's like, oh, it's alive and my eyes is closed, like, how you just make it... You know, we understand because it's just easy for us. Mm -hmm. But the finished product is always something amazing. Thank you. And I also <laughs> think like energy is valuable. You know, just like how today we came in, we set our affirmations to set the tone. That's how the thought process that I'm going in when I'm creating content, like I'm setting the tone of what I want it to be. Creating content can be very narcissistic. Even if you're not a narcissist, you become one because it's all about you. So, you know, when I'm walking in, I'm setting the tone. Like I want my content to inspire. I don't want my content to be like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm here. I'm stunting on you. Nah, 
I want you to come and stunt with me too. Come take this photo. So it's like setting that intention before I press post or as I'm taking it, I'm mentally saying my affirmations as I'm taking it so that energy can be placed on what I'm doing. And it's felt, you know, it's felt in the photos. It's also felt in the captions don't come across as look at me and look what I'm doing. The caption comes across as look at this culture, this identity that I've discovered. Now you come Mm -hmm. discover and take part in this as well. That's what it feels like. So you're doing a good job at getting your intention across. Thank you. Of course. Girl. So I started this (laughs) conversation sort of fangirling because I've never met a Black woman pilot. Can you tell me why you wanted to be a pilot? What was that process even like for you? Were there any glass ceilings or barriers because you are a woman, because you are Black? Okay, so the beginning of quarantine was very hard for me. It was the first time I actually had to sit still. I was going through it. I have a therapist. I love her to death. She was like, what's going on? Because my energy was all off. Like, it was a lot going on. And she was like, take some classes, you know, do something, keep yourself busy. And I was like, what's there to do? Like, I was (laughs) lost. I was confused. And so she was like, if you could do anything, what would it be? And I was like, Because I wanted to travel. And at that time, the beginning of quarantine, the only people that you saw, like, really traveling was, like, people who could get on a private jet. So I was like, man, I need to, like, get my pilot's license. If this is how we're going to be living, I need to fly myself places. So I was joking with her, saying, I was like, I'll get my pilot's license. She was like, go do it. And I was like, how? I created this block for myself. I didn't know anything about getting your private pilot's license. Well, getting your pilot's license in general. And I already told myself that I couldn't do do it. it. I was Mm. like, I can't do that. She was like, do the research. So I did the research and I found a school that was open in Long Island, called them. They were like, okay, send us an email, fill out this paperwork. I got accepted in and boom, I started the process. And it was hard because when I was going... You know, when I was doing, you have to do flight hours and you also have to do classroom work. So as I'm doing it, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. And compared to everyone, I was old. I felt like an old lady in there. (laughs) It was a lot of 17-year-olds because you can start your pilot's license at 17. You get your permit. And a lot of rich kids, you know, their parents giving them something to do. And so I'm this old black woman in there. And it was just a lot. I was just like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? And it's very expensive too. So I was just, I was paying for it with my savings. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm about to go broke. (laughs) It was a lot, but I realized, okay, like I had to keep saying, get through it. And then I was already like a month in and I'm like, you already spent all this money. You can't stop now. How long was the program? So I have my private pilot's license. I'm still in school. I'm still doing my hours. I got my private pilot's. It took me a year. Actually, it took me less than a year. But it's flying is easy. Flying, I want to say that flying is not hard at all. It's more you're training yourself to know what to do in an emergency. Just like driving a car isn't hard. But you have to train yourself like how to merge, what to do if something was to happen. And that's what flying is about. Like when you're up there, there's no traffic. You don't have to worry about anything. You're learning the lingo. Flying is not dangerous. The plane basically pretty much does everything. If we think about flying a paper plane, like it lifts everything. It does it itself. It's just if your engine fails, like how to glide and land. Yeah, it's the mental 
I think it's <laughs> yes. the biggest thing about flying is mental. Like I'm in the freaking sky right yeah. now. Scotty, beat me up. Yes. What's going on? But one is empowering. Once you're up there, you're like, like I can't wait. If I'm on a plane and they're like, "Do we have a pilot <laughs> right here? What you need me to do?" <laughs> Waiting for That's this moment. Dope. You know, That's... I I recommend it. Like I recommend it. I feel like. Just like you go out there and you get your driver's license, go get your pilot's license. Get it at 17. Get it early. Have options. Yeah, because no. we don't know if we got to get the fuck out of the I was just about to ask, okay, so you got your survival skill. Right. And some shit pop off. We coming it. to you to fly us out of here. Kim, what is your skill? What is my skill? You Damn. need a survival skill. I know. You I, was like, like, <laughs> I was actually telling my friends last summer, I was just like, yo, we got to go to survivalist camp. But my stepdad, like, he was in the Navy, so he had, we have a whole bunker, like, ready to go, like, Whatever we need, I'm just gotta make my way to Jersey. We mean, like, I need Kia's a survival gonna skill. make all the protective gear. Yes. She's gonna be like, okay, I got a bowl. We're gonna put this on her head and make yes. it fly. Yeah, exactly. Vic is gonna be the plant, the plant Herbalist. person. Yes, Herbalist. she's gonna tell you medicine. what to eat, what not to eat. <laughs> we good right here. This little I'm circle. Actually, I think I'll be good in combat. Firing a gun. Having to kill, you know, something really? like that. Okay, yeah, because like I'm an athlete. So I feel like, you know, yes. girl, LFL skills is not going to come out if a bear start running behind Oh, I can feel out. So about how many trips would you say you go on a year? A lot. I do about <laughs> two to three a month. It's been slowing down. I recently moved and I love my place. Like, I don't be wanting to leave. And it's, it's a little hard. But like last year, I did about two to three a month. And you merge your work with your leisure travel? Yes, I do. How do you balance work and play? So my work is pretty much my play. Okay. You know, I set boundaries for myself. When work starts to feel like work, I'm like, okay, what do I need to change? How do I need to adjust? I never want work to feel like work. Like, that is not the goal. Are there things that you do to balance mm -hmm. that burnout? I communicate with brands. Like, these brands ain't going to run me. Like, I let them know. I'm professional about it. So even if it's a deadline and I got a lot going on, like, I had a deadline today and I had a lot going on and I didn't feel like the work that I was creating was of quality. And I told them, listen, you're going to have to let me do what I do. You know, I have to communicate that. And either you like it or you don't. I remember, so when I first started, I realized, okay, I could get money from this. I quit my job and I was creating out of survival. What that means was I was creating to live. I was creating to eat. So I kind of was like, rent got to be paid. So let me take this gig so I could pay my rent. The, the gig didn't align, but they had the power yeah. because I needed that money. So for me now, it's like, I want to create to create. I want it to feel fun. I want to tap into that energy. I want to create art. So I got to be tapped in. When I was in my 20s, I wish I had the opportunity to have that leisure or that security to just go out there and dibble and dabble or maybe even take some paint in class. Maybe I'm good at painting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in my 20s, I could have been a painter if I was allowed to go out and, you know, experience. I don't want to be in survival mode. Right. Yeah. I always say Black people, we know how to survive. We don't know how to live. I forget who said that, but I always go back. We're always in survival mode. Like, even when we're making enough to live off of, it's still survival mode. Because it's I that trauma. It's yeah. like, what mm -hmm. if this is the last year of this? What if I go broke? It's that trauma that we have. Yeah, get free. look at all the beauty that we create, even being in survival. So now oh. imagine if, and that's why, to me, that's why legacy is so important, because I do plan to have kids, and I want my kids, I don't want them to operate out of survival mode. I want them 
to live. I want them to live and like really fully live and enjoy life and experiment and figure themselves out. We don't really have a chance to figure ourselves. We're, we're surviving, figuring it out, going with the flow. It's hard. So something I've been talking to Kia a lot about lately, as well as my partner, is this idea that I'm an artist. I'm not just an influencer. I'm not just a content creator. I think that what I do and what a lot of us do supersedes just influence. Or taking a pretty picture. Right. Or taking up just a pretty picture. And you've mentioned earlier, you want people to ingest and digest your content like art. So do you consider yourself an artist? I do. You know, legacy is very, very important to me. And the content that I create is my legacy. You know, I, I am creating art. I am showing these cultures and these places that I go. I'm taking it in and I'm digesting and then I'm sending it out there into the world. And this is my art. This is my creativity. This is my legacy. So there's this infamous photo that you're known for. At least I think this was your moment. You correct me if this was your moment or not. The picture you took on the raft in Jamaica, it went super viral. You know the post that I'm talking about, right? So what moment in your career was like that moment where like I've arrived? So it was a couple of moments. So first it was a journey of loving myself. And that was when my first solo backpacking trip and then sharing that on social media. Then once I was on social media and I started to realize that these platforms are making billions of dollars off of our content. They're basically pimping us. So then I was like, all right, I need to make money from this. If I'm going to be spending so much energy on this, I need to make money from it. That's also the Capricorn in me. Because, yeah. you know, we also, if I'm doing something, I got to make money from it. Facts. So then I was like, all right, how can I make a lot of money? I, like, analyzed everything. I'm like, okay, the more followers you have, the more money you could demand. I was like, all right, how can I level up? The first piece of content that I created was I went to Trinidad. I was on a beach in Trinidad. So I wanted something to go viral. I never had anything going viral. I had stuff that did numbers, but nothing that went viral. So my intentions was to make this piece of content go viral. So I went to Trinidad, worked with a Trinidadian photographer. I was holding a Trinidad flag on the beach and I wanted to create a sense of pride amongst Trinidadians. So I took that picture. I talked about the beauty that I felt while I was in Trinidad. And so many Trinidadians took that picture and reposted it because it created a sense of pride. And the picture, it did numbers. It did go viral. Then I was like, being Jamaican, I was like, I, I, I did that. So now I got to represent for my country. So I was very intentional. I was like, I if that photo, at that time, I might have had like 18,000 followers and that Trinidadian photo did like 30K. So it was like, okay, that was viral. So for Jamaica, I, was, I actually created a plan and I was like, I'm going to make this go super viral. So I said, I took a picture holding the Jamaican flag. It wasn't the picture that you were talking about. So I, I took a picture holding Jamaica flag and I reached out to different, I would consider them influencers, like influencers, different people. You know, I was commenting on their page to draw attention to my page because I wanted them to repost it. And they got no traffic. It got no buzz. And I was like, oh, I failed. I thought <laughs> this was going to be the Jamaica photo. So I go on a raft and... This is the same trip? Yeah, same trip. I go on a raft. At this time, the raft, nobody knew about no. the raft. 
so I was going visiting family. I wanted something to do. I wanted to highlight something. It wasn't even like a big tourist attraction at that time. It was something you could do, but it wasn't like big how it is now. So, <laughs> so I go, I, I had a Jamaica bikini. It was actually the same bikini that I wore in that other picture. I had the Jamaica bikini, didn't even do my hair. Then I was just there, took a picture. And when I looked at the picture, I was like, oh, this is fire. I still, I wasn't sold on. I was like, this is fire. So when I posted that picture, Everyone that I have reached out to, everybody reposted it. And then it just took traction. And as I was doing that, I saw it taking traction. So I like set my affirmations. I set my intention. I was like, okay, this is taking traction. I wanted to do numbers that is never done before. I want everyone to feel this and feel inspired by Jamaica. And it took off. I believe in finding equations. I call them equations. So I figure out what parts of the equation is going to get the results that I want. So that was my equation. And that was my equation for years. And it was also the original algorithm of Instagram. So <laughs> in order to go viral on Instagram, all you needed was like 10 people to repost you and you'll be on a popular page. Mm -hmm. And it was easy to go viral. Yeah. So you brought up an interesting point about authenticity, one, but then also having intention. See, the reason why the Trinidad photo went viral because you were authentic. Like you didn't go in there really thinking like, I want to get something. Yeah. You wanted to lift other people up, provide value to other people. When you did the Jamaica, it was all about you. I want to go viral. You know, mm -hmm. you wasn't really thinking about the audience. But exactly. then once you got stripped of that, you just like, whatever, I'm on this raft, I'm chilling, hair not done, very authentic. And that's the one that went viral. So you cannot recreate those yeah. moments because those are those moments. Exactly. You're living in the present. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. What did that do for your career? I think that was the moment that I got known for travel. It was also, it was a moment that I had a lot of travel lined up. So I'm very big on, I call them waves. Again, I believe in quality over quantity. So now like when I'm creating content and when I'm posting, I post in waves and then I'll take breaks and I won't post anything. So that started a wave and I kept that wave going because I had other trips going behind that. And it was trips, it was content that people have never seen before. So the wave, like I rode that wave for a while and I became known as the girl in the Jamaica bikini <laughs> on the raft. Of course, like with anything nice, people have to pick apart. It was such a divide. Everybody was loving that photo. But then of course it was a moment where it was just like getting picked apart. Oh, people don't like this because of this or they it's only this way propped up because oh. of the person behind it and it's just like how do you deal with the negativity online so i was hurt i was hurt i had people accuse me of being a prostitute because i don't think there was influencers at that time that term nah. wasn't created mm -hmm. yet it was 2017 so, yeah. it was still yeah. very yep. new so that hurt me because it was such an emotional experience. And then for people to go and they see that I travel to these places and be like, oh, who's paying for it? Or she's a prostitute or she's... And it hurt because it was just like, yo, like me being an empath, I was just like, I put so much emotions into this. And, and then I got thick skin and it was more about, okay, what is this teaching me? And I also realized that I can't make my content about myself. It's about inspiring others, including others in the process. That was my intention. I wanted to inspire. So I wanted to make sure that's what my content was giving. You know, people are going to talk. They always are going to talk. But being aware of 
the message that I'm sending in my content, one, but also ignoring the haters. And what are other ways that you create those boundaries online for your mental and emotional health? by practicing quality over quantity so that I'm not always online. Being online, there is so much content out there that, you know, it'll start changing your creativity methods. Like you're, like all of a sudden, if you see a bunch of girls and they're dressed a certain way, then you're gonna be like, oh, maybe I should dress this way or maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that. So I wanna stay true to who mm -hmm. I am. And so I don't open my app unless I'm posting or, you know, if I'm going, I do have notifications like when friends post, cause I wanna make sure that I'm supporting my friends, supporting my favorite content creators. So I'll go on, you know, show support, but then I'm off. Social media is a tool. We can easily become consumed by it if we let it. So I have to set those boundaries for myself. Like, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I get easily consumed. I know that about myself. I know that sometimes I can be insecure and I could look at what other people's doing <laughs> and then feel like I'm not doing enough. Mm. So I have to set those boundaries. I can't let social media run me. I gotta run it. And you know when to take a break. It's like you said, you start comparing yourself. If I have any negative thoughts when it comes to social media, I should be nothing but grateful because this is providing me a way to feed my family, feed myself, you know, nothing but gratefulness. And when I start the negative thoughts, I'm like, okay, girl, now it's time to take Questioning yourself. Yeah. And yeah. then it's, it's so weird because I'll find myself like thinking I'm not good enough and forgetting everything that I've already accomplished. And then at just one moment, and I'm like, okay, I need to do more. I need to do this. I need, like, uh, that, what is that? Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, but I think that requires self-awareness. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't even, they think that's a natural state of being. That it's natural to just want more, to second-guess yourself, to not be comfortable with who you are. So for you both to feel that way, it means you're really self-aware, I feel like. Like and I like, like what you mentioned about like the wave, like just yeah. riding that wave. Because we feel like everybody's always talking about consistency or th there is no one way to do something. I think it's really important for people to find what works for them and do that. And so I, I love that you brought up having a wave, posting consistently for however many days, weeks, months, whatever, but then taking a break. Because when we talk about album releases and how often people release albums, like if we're considering ourselves artists, then we should conduct ourselves like that. We're not a machine. Yeah. We're not a computer. Like the way these social apps are designed is not for humans. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they want us to pump out things with no emotion, no feeling. And that's not how we operate as artists. So of course, we're going to feel burnt out. We're going to feel insecure because those negative thoughts are going to come. We're not meant to do this. No. And no. I also think there are influencers and there are influential people. You know, I'll have conversations with people and they say, oh, I want to be an influencer. And they come to me and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm, I can't because I'm not posting consistently or I'm not doing this or that. And, you know, basically playing to the algorithm. And, you know, we have to know that social media was created as a distraction. The more people that are on the platform every second, they make more money. So they're going to tell us anything to keep us on the platform. So quick content that does not have substance, that is quickly digested, keeps us on the platform. So of course, Instagram is going to tell us, create reels because the reels that do numbers are the reels that are quick content. They Seconds. have no substance. They're, oh, you know, get ready with me, but you're just showing boom, 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 boom. It's like stuff that you'll watch and then you're almost hypnotized. And, you know, I, I speak to 
other influencers and this is the advice that they give out and it's no no shade. You know, they say, oh, you know, create this. Play into the algorithm. Do this. This is how you get numbers. This is how you drive your engagement up. But are you being influential? Is this your legacy? Like, right, you know, yep. is that that's your legacy? Trying to be Ralph. <laughs> we spoke about that. Like, Jay-Z, one thing you're going to hear me quote is Hove. He was like, you know, you want to be a trend or you want to be Ralph Lauren? Exactly. So you have to decide. And then you got to know that when you're choosing to create art, Art isn't always going to go viral. Mm. Art isn't always going to we'll be a talk trend. About it. We see yeah. it with, yeah. your, with your Jamaica and Trinidad photos. Yeah. It's like, you know, making sure that it's felt, setting oh, your yeah. intentions, setting your what you want the vibe to be, what the aesthetic to be. Don't let these social media platforms run you. Yeah. Facts. Uh, speaking of creating boundaries for your mental health online, how do you combat mean girl culture? I feel like influencer culture can be very cliquish, very mean girlish. Have you ever experienced that? If so, how have you handled it? Let me just say, we Capricorn, so I don't know if her experience is similar to mine, but I don't get into none of that, really. Speak to I, it. It was hard in the beginning because I realized that I had a problem with validation. So I'm at the point now that when I feel away or if my energy is off, I'm like, what is this teaching me? I stop taking situations for what it looks like and analyze it as what is it teaching me? I've been in situations where, you know, mean girls have said stuff to me, like little shady stuff, or, you know, I don't get invited certain places, or I'll get invited to a panel, and then I see how the girls are really acting, you know, behind closed doors, and I analyze it as, what is this teaching me? One, when it comes to validation, why would I want to be validated by people that I don't even want to be like? Mm. Like, That's I had to learn that. And then also God made me like the way that I am. God created all this greatness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't let nobody else downplay me. But also look at you. I'm just <laughs> saying. But like we're all great. Like we're all yeah. like yes. God created us all the way that we are for a reason. You know, seeking that validation. We shouldn't be wanting to be validated by nobody but God. And then mean girls, I got to pray for them. Like you sad. Like you got to go talk to a therapist. Like it's uh, enough for us all to win. Like abundance flows to me. Abundance is all around me. I don't got to hate on nobody. What is meant for me is meant for me. And the the woman that I want to be, these are her affirmations. This is how she carries herself. I'm not trying to fake it. I really want to be that woman. So I don't entertain the fuckery. You know what I mean? I don't entertain it. I don't want to be around it. I also believe that you are the people that are next to you. Like on a scientific level, if you're around someone, you slowly become like that person. Mm -hmm. So I'm not around mean girls. I don't want that energy around me. I don't do it. And be careful who you surround yourself with. For sure, for sure. More from our conversation after the break. So the kingdom wants to know, needs to know, how do you make money as a travel influencer? Is it brand deals? Is it hotels? What are, I guess, a few key ways that you make money as a travel influencer? So I'm a hustler. You know, you have to look at it as, okay, how can I package this and make it sellable? And then, so I do a lot of pitching. I hate cold pitches. I hate 
you know, pitching to someone where I don't actually know that person, I'll let y'all in on one of my secrets. So what I do is I have a newsletter that are just for brands and I'm constantly keeping them updated on what I'm doing, whether I'm going to a certain country, everything that I'm doing. And within that newsletter, I package it as sponsorship. So that could be clothing, that could be sneakers, that could be anything. All of these things, you can place your brand here. Oh, I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm making sure I'm sending that out to the tourism board of Costa Rica. Hey, would you like to partner? What do you want me to highlight? How far um, in advance do you do this? Sometimes it's short notice. Like it might be like, hey, I'm going on a weekend. Or sometimes it's months in advance. Sometimes it's a year in advance. You know, it varies. And then it might be like a place that I want to go to and then I'm sending out to see who bites on it, to see if I can actually do that location. But yeah, you know, everything is pitchable. Researching brands, knowing what some of their passion projects are, seeing if anything aligns, you know, it's using your imagination and making things work in your favor. And being aggressive, I also, I take people in marketing, I take them out to dinner, you know, because they gonna give me money. So I don't mind spending money on you yeah. because I know I'm gonna make that money back. So, you know, I make sure that I treat them good. You know, I have relationships. It's a girl, her name is Sahita. I always, I big her up. You know, she got me my Google deal and me and Sahita have known each other for years. You know, I did a lot of stuff for her that a lot of people would have charged, but she looked out for me and she yeah. advocated, she fought for me. And it was that relationship. A lot of people would have just been like, whatever, you know, I built a friendship with her. I got to know her. And when she had the chance, she took care of me. I think that is extremely important. There's always this creator debate. Uh -uh, I'm not doing nothing for free. I'm not, no, no, no. You need to pay me my worth versus put in the work, pour into people. And when they have it, they will pour back into you. Exactly. You know. Now, do you have a manager? I don't. I need a manager. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how have you been managing like all these I years? Don't know. <laughs> You're so no. organized. Yeah. So I've worked with agencies. I've worked, I did have a manager at some time. And so the agency was more for me to learn. I needed to learn certain terminology. Like this game, they'll take advantage of you if you didn't know. So I signed with the agency. And within my contract, I needed it to be fully transparent so that I could see the terminology in the emails. I learned how to negotiate from them. I actually learned that my rates was too low. I learned so much from them. It was a bad deal. They took a lot of money, but it was worth it because, you know, I got all of that knowledge. I think influencers, a lot of times, we don't know how much we worth. I didn't know. I literally, I was asking for, whew, I'm embarrassed about how much I was asking for. And then working with the agency, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's how much? Now I'm asking for triple times what I want. And then we're going to figure it out. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> in your experience, what would you say hotels or just brands in general are looking from travel creators? One, community. You know, I worked hard to create a community. So, when I'm pitching to hotels and tourism boards, I show them, like my community, they trust me. They're going to these places because I told them that it's safe. You know, this is a brand you should fuck with. You know what I mean? Community, great quality. You don't have to have a lot of numbers. If your quality is good, that hotel, that tourism board, that brand is going to want to work with you because content is key right now. Everybody needs content. So before we wrap up, we want to talk a little bit about 
community building and a few of the projects that you have going on. So first, can you talk to us about your Take Flight program? What is it and why did you? Take Flight is so basically when I was going through aviation school, it was lonely. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have anyone that I could ask, you know, advice or if I was doing it right or even funding. You know, I pay for everything out of pocket. There are scholarships and there are resources out there, but I didn't even know where to look. So Take Flight is a community where we're giving each other tips. We're helping each other to get through. We're helping each other study. We're letting each other know what to expect. It's the community that I wish I had when I started school. Is it just for women? Is it just for people of color? Is it for everyone? It's for everyone, but it's a lot of women. And yeah, it's mostly women, but it's for everyone. So tell us about the Global Citizenship Mentor Program. So the Global Citizen Mentorship Program basically helps content creators create content, showing all my tips and tricks on the terminology that you need to use, how to get photos, how to create viral content, you know, making sure that you're creating art. I create these programs because I know when I was trying to figure it out, I wish I had programs like these. So the programs that I create is helping others to do what I do, but they don't have to make all the mistakes that I make. So I hear you're launching a residency program. Yeah. Tell us more about that. So I'm originally from Connecticut. And when I was trying to figure it out, you know, I would come to New York and I would crash at, it wasn't, I wouldn't even call them friends. It was like girls that I would meet out that I became cool with. And then they're like, oh, you're coming to New York, crash by me. And these weren't necessarily like healthy environments. So basically I just completed a space where If you want to come to New York and you want to create content, you want to explore, figure it out. I am, through my Teach One, Teach Many program, I am providing scholarships and funding to sponsor people to come through. That's beautiful. I literally, all the stuff that I went through, I don't want others to go through it because I know how it felt. And I feel like, you know, you're supposed to reach back and you're supposed to help others. What's the application process? Do you know yet what the application process for that is going to be like? So I I know what I want it to look like, but (laughs) legally I have to like, it's so much that I have to do because I plan it to start at 18, but it's like legally I have to make sure that everyone's protected, even on my end. So yeah, so I'm figuring that out, making sure that I do it the right way. I want to be like, just come. My house is your house. But yeah. No, that's going to be dope. That's really special. How else do you see your career evolving? Like, what else would you like to be doing with your talents and skills that you've accumulated on this journey? I want to buy a plane. So, and I had this moment. So I want to buy a cargo plane. Like, I want to compete with FedEx. So this is a goal. And it seems like this goal is just, ah, like, how am I going to do it? Like, the plane that I want is $40 million. That means I got to get $50 million. And, like, I had a moment where I was like, how am I going to do that? The woman that I am today is not, there's no way that I can become that woman. So I had to really analyze my life and figure out what are the steps. And that's where I'm at right now, like, figuring that I don't want to, like, have this doubt because I did feel myself doubting because it just seems like, how, where am I going to get $50 million from? And, but 
the way that the universe works is I was talking to my friend. He works at Bank of America and I'm like talking to him. He's like, oh, we have an aviation program. Bank of America is the only bank that has an aviation program. So I, I had to realize, why am I doubting myself? If God gave you that thought, how does the meme go? Something like that. Yeah, if yeah. God yeah. gave you the business plan, you gonna be like, to... he's going to provide everything. So stop doubting yourself. Like You got to just realize, is this really what you want to do? Because everything is going to work in your favor. So is Man. this what I want to do? Yep. Yep, and you've already told us that you're a master manifester. So I yes. think that this plan, <laughs> yeah, it's done. already done. It's done. It's done. It's the question is, are you gonna be ready when it when it gets here? <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this break. Okay, so here, this is the Content Kingdom. So we have the ability to make anything a royal decree. So what would you love to change about social media? What I would love to change about social media, one, stop being consumed by celebrity culture. Social media is a tool, use it as such. Get some money off of social media. If you on there all the time, yeah, right? Yeah. See some ROI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't let social media run you. I've been saying that all day. Like, don't let social media run you. Run it. You know, it's to show your creativity. It's a tool. Also, use your imagination. You know, don't think of it as the way that it's packaged. You can do whatever you want with social media. Mm -hmm. Now let's go into some rapid fire questions. We're gonna ask you a question, the first thing to come to your mind. Top three destinations. Bali, Brazil, and the continent of Africa. Yes. <laughs> what brand or creator would you love to collaborate with in the future? I would love to collaborate with Will Smith. Yeah, I think as a content creator, he's pretty dope. Yeah, he's definitely a content king for sure. Who should we be following on Instagram? other than yourself? Ooh, follow anybody that makes you feel good. I feel like I can't recommend my people because my people are my people. Those are the people that inspire me. Follow people that, you know, are aligned with who you want to be. Mm. Are there any newsletters that creators should be subscribed to? That I love. Will & Way has a newsletter creatively. They also have a newsletter. All right, and lastly, what books should creators be reading? So I am an affirmation person. I big on Dr. Joe Dispenza because I believe that, I believe in reprogramming our mind. You know, he has Becoming Supernatural. Um, who else? Abraham Hicks. Who else? I, like, any book that basically reprograms your mind, every day, Society is programming us to be sheep. And to be a creative, you can't be a sheep. Like, to be a content creator, you gotta, like, to be influential, you gotta be yourself. So, yeah, anything that helps you stay aligned to the divine. So, queens recommending queens. Who else should we have on this podcast? Ooh, my homegirl, Shaniqua, Sim Simplicity and Style. She has a great story. So I recommend her and I want y'all to go in. I want you to tell her story. Like she's an amazing person, a sweetheart. I'm not saying it because she's my friend, but like she she lives fashion, you know, and I think she's definitely make a great guest. All right. Now let's celebrate. 
firstly, how can the people find you? How can we stay up to date with what's going on in Tanika's life? TanikaRenee.com, Instagram, TanikaRenee. Yeah, the usual. Twitter. TikTok. I'm not really on TikTok. I'm going to be on TikTok. I was just trying, I'm trying to figure out how to authentically be on TikTok because I want to do what's authentic to me. I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. I'm not trying to, yeah. Nah, I feel that. Are there any career highlights that you would like to toast to? Ooh, toast to figuring out how to make money traveling. Cheers to that. (laughs) More of that for sure. (laughs) Tanika, it was a pleasure to have you on our show today. You have dropped so much wisdom and knowledge and grace and just brought a different sort of energy. And it was much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. You know, what you guys are doing, like, is amazing. Everybody has a podcast nowadays, and a lot of it is just, you know, entertainment. But this is packed with gems. You know, you're giving the people what they need, and I love that. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for being influential. Thank Thank you. you. Yes. I I literally got (laughs) chills, too. Yo, we about to change people's lives in here. Somebody listening is really about to drop everything and pack a backpack and move to Bali. So, (laughs) And y'all can DM me if you need tips. (laughs) Listen, no mean girls over here. Whatever you need, I got you. Ask me anything. Like, we're family. So, Tanika, yo, that is my girl. I've known her for over 10 years. And to hear her talk about her experiences so eloquently, and she's like so calm, and everything's about energy and zen. Like one thing that I learned was how important intention is when creating content. Like she sets her intention when she set, when she goes to take the post, take the photo. She's like, I hope this, you know, I capture this great content. It does amazing. I hope it does the numbers. And when she posts, she sets intentions as well. So that's something that I learned from the episode with to definitely set intentions when I post. Same. I love the passion that she had. Yeah. It kind of like made me check back in with self. Like, you know what? This is a privilege to get to do this. I do love doing this. And honestly, she's so fucking beautiful. Yes. This is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and she's so humble. Like, she's always like, I'm serving my audience. Like, this is one thing I'm going to quote her. She said, it's not about me. It's about where I'm traveling to. Yep. Like, when she takes these photos and... Like, she's gorgeous. And most people are narcissists in this business. And so when you have to keep, when you keep tapping back into self and tapping back into why you're doing this and who you're serving, I think that's another way that you really show your community, like, who you are and put them first. Yeah, exactly. And if you, even if if you follow her, you get that. You can feel that from her content. And it's really dope to see. Definitely. And even when we talk about virality and, you know, her wrath photo that went viral. And then when she tried to recreate the moment previously, she also has another quote that she said. She was like, when you're choosing to create art, art isn't always going to go viral. Art isn't always going to be a trend, which is so important. Yeah. So the people who are chasing those virality, you know, things, like it's not an art form for them. It's the numbers, it's the engagement. It's an ego boost it's also. Me, yeah. But I no. think as an artist, most artists who create things, they don't, they just do it for the sake of it, for the art of it. And then fame or celebrity happens, happens to come. come. Yes. 
that word. That's why we always say we're accidental influencers because we just so happened (laughs) to get the fame and followers. But we've always, from the beginning, was just passionate about it. I love this. We always wanted to share and give back. And that really takes you far. Yeah, it does. 10 years, 10 plus years. 10 plus years in the game. When you 10 years in, holla back then. All right? (laughs) You know, I got to quote JC again. (laughs) We doing a mashup. <laughs> we got to. <laughs> That's bad funny. So y'all have heard me talk about this before. You heard me talk about this before. Instagram is a fucking bully. Anything that they see somebody else doing, they're like, oh, you got that toy. I'm about to take it. It's mine. <laughs> oh, Snapchat. You think that people are going to stay there because you got these filters? That's cute. I'm going to make my own filters. So they have changed the layout yeah. to look like TikTok. I don't like it. How you feel about it? Okay, so we already know Instagram has deviated from the original plan. <laughs> they already deviated. It was a photo sharing app of real Facts. life moments and they've turned into a video app. Facts. So we know that authenticity and in the moment is not really at the forefront of what they're doing. Everything is so contrived and staged. And so having the ability to switch out your feed, like, nah, I don't know. Like that goes against. I'm not with it. I think it's funny because iPhone changed the way photographs were taken because of Instagram. That square feature never existed until Instagram got popular. Right. So now that they're moving away from that, I wonder how that's going to affect technology in other ways. Somebody mentioned that they're going to have like the fuzzy border. I don't think that's the case. I think you're just going to be able to upload the full photo because, you know, if we take our photos with like DSLRs, it'll crop it. Yeah. So I think you're going to be able to upload like if you're uploading to stories, the image, you know oh, how it's the full yeah. image? I think it's going to be the full image oh, like that be to where it's taking up the full screen. This, somebody was saying like the borders, like why would they do that? That makes no sense. That's because if TikTok you can have does. 916 images, I mean video, why yeah. can't you have 916 photos? But I think TikTok does that. Does what? They crop. Your images, photos. photos? Yeah. I've never uploaded photos to I TikTok. I tried the other day. I was trying to do like a iPhone a versus film thing and they cropped it. So I wonder if they are. Mm. I don't know. But I'm not with it. Kingdom, let us know how you feel. Are you with the new Instagram look? You like it looking like TikTok or you just wish that they would have kept it the same? And then, you know, you can also now pin post. I think that can be helpful. I like the pin post part. I do. Okay. Because it's kind of like on YouTube when people have a channel trailer and you can just click that. I can watch 60 seconds. I know exactly what I'm Mm -hmm. getting. I think Instagram should be the same. Your top three videos, let's say you have three or four niches. It should be one of those niches, each one something different and probably your highest engaged content. Yeah. And so what does it do for highlights? Do you think they should abolish highlights at this point? Nah, because that's like a deeper dive into who the creator is. All right. Yeah. All right, now let's move on to the content challenge of the week. Have you guys been participating in the content challenges? Make sure you're hashtagging content challenge with a K and share your videos with us. We're going to definitely repost the best ones, okay? So what's this week's content challenge? So Tanika mentioned in the episode that when she goes somewhere and she's ready to capture the photo, she either wears one of two things. She says she either wants to stand out, so she wears reds or oranges, or she wants to blend in completely with the image. So this week's challenge is to create travel content using one of those two suggestions. And just because it's travel content doesn't mean you have to go out of your hometown or your city. You can find a dope spot where you live, create your content. Yeah, like, I feel like that's your first introduction to travel content is, like, knowing the popping spots in your own yeah. city. So, like, yeah. Like, make someone want to come to where you hang out. Right. 
Rep your city. Put on for your Put city. Your follow of the week. Do you have a follow of the week? I do. It's kind of generic, though. It's the creator's account. Okay. I have learned so much from the creator's account on Instagram. Do you follow them? I do. They always have little gems. I'm always finding new creators of color to follow. They always talk about the updates that Instagram has, as well as how to integrate them into your life and your content. So my follow of the week is not just on Instagram, but I think their platform is amazing when it comes to making money, being an entrepreneur, and they're the Earn Your Leisure podcast. Well, they started out as a show on YouTube, but now they be interviewing everybody. They interviewed Steve Harvey, and we didn't get a chance to talk about that interview, but you guys should definitely go out and listen to that interview. He, Coming from a creator standpoint, I think he really nails it when it comes to ownership. And yeah, so many gems from that episode. So definitely watch it, their interview with Steve Harvey. Watching. So that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you, Tanika, for stopping by the content kingdom and blessing us with your presence and your knowledge. Kingdom. Make sure you're following us on all social platforms at Content Queens and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are on the road to 1,000 subscribers. And if you're really, really enjoying the visual aspects to this podcast, we put a lot of effort, money, time into bringing this for you. So definitely show us some love on YouTube. Thumbs up, comment, subscribe, share. Just get your life, all right? Email us, contentqueens at gmail.com. We are on every social platform that you can think of at Content Queens with a K. And as always, thank you, Kingdom, for rocking with us, for sharing your time and your energy. We hope that you learned something. We'll see you next week. Bye. We just want to take a moment to thank everyone for joining us in the content kingdom. If you enjoyed your time here, if you learned something, if you feel empowered by what we shared, please do us the honor by leaving us a five-star review. Yes, we five-star chicks. We need five-star reviews wherever you enjoyed this show. That's right. If you're enjoying the art and the content that we put out, be sure to let the rest of the world know. Don't keep us a secret. Looking to keep this Content Queens conversation going, you can join our royal family on Instagram at Content Queens or on YouTube at Content Queens. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, please email us at contentqueens at gmail.com. That's a wrap for this episode. And until next time, see you next week. This is Content Queens, where content is queen. So wear that crown proudly. Content Queens is executive produced and directed by Frida Lucas. Mixing and engineering completed by Eric Aaron. Thank you all so much for joining us this week and we'll talk to you soon.